Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Let's have a word of prayer again. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we zoom into this topic on wolves in sheep clothing, God, open our eyes, give us insight, help us, Lord, be able to spot them and work to bring a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. We are working this evening, wolves in sheep clothing, how to detect them and how to deal with them. It's a strictly pastoral topic. <laughs> so, our key passage is Matthew chapter 7. I want someone to read for us clearly from verse 15 to verse 20. Matthew 7, 15 to 20. And this is from Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from torn bushes or figs from tassels? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits, you recognize them. Amen. A sheep is very different from a wolf. A wolf can never be a sheep. Because sheep eat grass. Sheep are timid. Sheep are very vulnerable. Easily led astray. Wolves are carnivorous. They eat flesh. Wolves are savage. And they are wild. So, whenever a wolf puts on sheep clothing, then the major agenda 
is to deceive and to eat up the, the sheep or scatter the flock. What does this mean? It means that we can define wolf in sheep clothing as an agent of Satan who intentionally pretends to be a messenger, a leader of Christians in order to selfishly harm the flock. So, how can you detect wolves in sheep clothing? Jesus gives us the key. He says, by their fruits, you will know them. So, to check and be able to detect wolves in sheep clothing, number one, you must check character. Number two, you must check doctrine. Number three, you must check the spirit the person is using. Number four, you must check the result and fruit of their ministry. So, before I begin to answer the questions, if we say somebody is a wolf in sheep's clothing, we mean somebody who pretends to be a Christian and even a Christian leader. But it's a fake. It's a counterfeit. The person is among the Christians just with the intention of deceiving and preying upon the Christian brethren. That's what we mean. Thank you so much for that um, in-depth introduction. So who does the Bible refer to as sheep? In John chapter 10 and John chapter 21. And who in the body of Christ today would you describe as sheep? In John chapter 10, verses 4, 5, and 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. 
they follow me. A stranger's voice they do not know, therefore they do not follow strangers. This means whenever Jesus refers to somebody as his sheep, the person is number one, obedient to the Lordship of Jesus. Number two, the person is imitating Jesus' character. Number three, the person is being changed to become a fisher of men and is also part of Jesus' mission on earth. Let me go through that again. You are not Jesus' sheep if you do not fall into this category. One, he says in the John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. Two, my sheep follow me. Three, they will not follow a stranger because they do not know the voice of strangers. And I give them eternal life. So, if you are Jesus' sheep, it means you are obediently following Jesus imitating Jesus and you are part of Jesus' mission on this earth and his ministry. Those are the people Jesus refers to as his sheep. And in the John chapter 21 from 15 to 17, three times he told Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Tend my flock. Feed my lambs. Thank you. So, does it mean that without these characteristics, even if you are a leader in the church, um, you are a very support church projects and all of those things of our lives, we cannot categorize ourselves? Yes. Remember Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21 to 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. On that day, many people will say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, did we not do many mighty works in your name? And I will tell them, Away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Not everybody in the church who calls himself or herself a Christian is genuine. That's what Jesus is saying. He says some people are wolves in sheep clothing. They are just hiding in the church. 
but they are unbelievers at heart. And they know it. Hmm. Wow. Thank you so much, Apostle. The next question we have here is, who are wolves in our world today? Second uh, Peter chapter 2 from verse 1, Peter comes down heavily on false prophets and false teachers. They are hiding among the flock, but they are teaching damnable heresies. They are even denying Jesus as Lord. And many people are listening to them and following them. In First Timothy chapter 4, from verse 1 to 5, Paul also warns about people who are teaching doctrines of demons within the church. Men with seared consciences who are forbidding people to marry and that they should not eat certain kinds of foods. And they are teaching these doctrines and trying to draw people away. In Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30, Paul was telling the Ephesian elders that they should watch. Because after his departure, ravenous wolves will enter among the flock and they will teach different doctrines, try to draw disciples after themselves. Now Jesus too warns in John chapter 10, verse 12, that when a shepherd is a hireling and he sees a wolf coming, he runs away from the flock and the wolf comes and tears and scatters the flock. So for today, we can call a wolf in sheep clothing Somebody who speaks nice words, flattering words, and appears to be a good Christian, but is lacking in one of these four areas. He is using a different spirit rather than the spirit of Christ. First John chapter 4 verse 1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. Two, the person's character does not reflect the fruit of the spirit. Jesus says, we don't pluck pineapples from mango trees. So, the character of the person you are working with 
if it is not the fruit of the spirit, it doesn't bring out and showcase love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness. If those things are not coming out, you must know that you are dealing with a wolf in sheep's clothing. Number three is the kind of doctrine the person is preaching. Is it biblical? Does it conform to the scriptures? Deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 1 to 3 says, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams talks, and the thing comes to pass. But afterwards he says, let us go and follow idols and gods other than Jehovah. Mm. is a false prophet. In addition to that, some of the signs to notice that somebody is a false prophet is Peter says in the second Peter 2 verse that 14 no, that they have eyes full of adultery. Then also, they have hearts practiced in covetousness, greed for money. They are not able to stay under authority. And they like causing divisions against the truth. When you use this, you should be able to recognize them. And Peter ends that passage by saying that they promise the people freedom from sin, but they themselves are slaves to sin. So those who follow them become twice the children of Satan. And they go back like a dog to their vomit and a pig who has been washed back to the mud. When you meet such people, you know you have a wolf in sheep's clothing. We need to differentiate between the wolf in sheep's clothing and a Christian who is struggling to live a clean life. The two of them are very different. The Christian who is trying to live a clean life, even if he falls, he admits that he has fallen, he confesses, repents, gets up, and struggles to do better. The wolf in sheep's clothing, his nature is wrong. So all the pretense for Christianity It's just counterfeit. It's a lie. He can never change. He is a wolf. He is only putting on a sheep's clothing. So immediately you start testing the person. You begin to see glaring signs of inconsistency. And the person begins to make some utterances and you are like, what? So you never believe the Bible from the beginning. 
So you were living this kind of life all the time. That's the wolf in sheep's clothing for you today. Apostle, please. We've talked about sheep. We've talked about wolves in sheep clothing. Who are the people that Jesus talks about in Matthew 25 as goats? Yes. Sheep and goats are closer in similarity than sheep and wolves. Both sheep and goats, they eat grass. But sheep like eating grass on the ground, fresh grass. Goats prefer to eat from the trees and the branches upwards. For goats, their tails are up and sheep, their tails go down. You will notice that sheep are more vulnerable, more defenseless, timid than goats. Goats by nature are more rebellious and independent. And it is easier to keep sheep in a flock, in a fence, than goats. Goats will normally want to break the fence, jump over the wall, and when a car is coming, a sheep is more confused and can be knocked than the goat. The goat is able to dash left and right. In the Old Testament, both sheep and goats were used for sacrifices to God. But it is interesting to note that the goat was used more for the sin offering for rebellion, for lawlessness. So in the parable Jesus gave in Matthew 25, he identified that he will separate the sheep from the goods. And he will tell the sheep that I was hungry, you gave me food. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you visited me. I was naked. You clothed me. So he would tell the goats to his left that you, you did not minister to me when I was sick. I was naked. I was in prison. You, you did not minister to me. So what does that mean? It means the sheep and goats is closer to Christian character. The issue of holiness and humility, obedience to God is stressed in that chapter. The goats are not wolves in sheep clothing. They are rebellious church members. Let me put it that way. They are people who are with Jesus, but they don't want to obey him. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you will not do what I say? Remember Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. We are told that God chose us from the foundation of the world so that we will be holy and blameless before him. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says that Jesus is coming for a church which is without spot or blemish or any such thing, but holy and glorious. Therefore, it is possible to be a church member, but to be self-willed, stubborn, rebellious against the Lord who bought you with his blood. Paul puts it neatly in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. He says that the foundation of God stands sure, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let every man who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So, if you are in God's house and you are obedient and yielded child of God, you are a sheep. You are a sheep. Even though you went astray, you have come back. But if you are in the house of God under grace, but still stubborn, self-willed, living life according to your own will, you are a goat. And of course, because you don't want to obey Jesus, they can't see that lifestyle in you. And that's what Jesus used to distinguish between the two. Thank you. Now, I want to ask, from the description we've had about goats, looking at the progression, wolves, sheep, goats, now I want to ask, how, when the sheep and the goats are together in fellowship, how dangerous is that to the sheep? Well, First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, don't be deceived. Bad company destroys good character. Proverbs 13, 20 says, if you walk with wise men, you will be wise. The companion of fools will be destroyed. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Definitely, the wolf will eat and destroy the sheep. But the goat affects and influences the character of the sheep. This is the reason why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he argues from, well, from verse 1, he talks about the man who was sleeping with his father's wife. And he wanted him to be punished because a little leaven 
will spoil the whole lamp. So if you don't throw the wicked person out and discipline him, you will see that he will affect the rest of the people. So that is the solution. If you have a situation where there is a church member consistently flirting or committing adultery and nothing is done to that person, definitely the others who also were trying to live clean lives, when they see that nothing is being done to that person, they they also fly off and the discipline breaks down. So the best thing to do is warn First Thessalonians 5.14 says warn the unruly. Then rebuke. Then take a step. You can punish the person openly or excommunicate the person and even in Paul's case he hands over the person to Satan so that Satan will torture him and his soul will be saved if he wakes up and repents. So if you have goats and sheep, that's how to handle them. Thank you so much. Apostle, why is there the need to protect the sheep from the wolves? Unfortunately, Sheep are very dumb, naive, silly, easily led astray. And Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Sheep easily go astray. So, when a wolf manages to enter sheep, The wolf eats up the sheep and scatters the rest. And when the sheep go astray, it's difficult for them even to come back to the fold. This is the reason why sheep must be protected from wolves. Otherwise, I mean, they they scatter. I think it's Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7. He says, strike the shepherd and the flock will scatter. So, Christians and church members for that matter are very vulnerable. Many of them don't know they are left from their right. Now, if somebody comes up and begins to prophesy and the prophecy comes to pass and give a word, you see that very soon he starts sleeping with church members and the girls in the church and they call him a man of God. Meanwhile, they see that he is touching girls' breasts He's, uh, you know, sleeping with people, but because when he speaks, the thing comes to pass, say, man of God, man of God. 
and he destroys people's lives. It's the same with bad doctrine. When somebody comes and starts preaching wrong doctrine, once he's influential and he's, he pretends to be gentle and loving because he is a wolf in sheep's clothing, he gets a strong following. People follow, believe him, and begin to swallow everything he's saying, hook, line, and sinker. Because he say, hey, he's a Bible teacher. They do not search the scriptures for themselves. Most sheep of, of or the flock of God are like that. Another challenge is sometimes the person is even using a different spirit. He goes to the cemetery and comes and does what he's doing. Or he goes to the seashore and comes back. So he's using a different spirit. But because he's getting results, people just follow. Now, when that happens, they lose their salvation because they are led astray. This is the reason why it is important to watch over the flock, detect the wolves in sheep clothing, and be able to deal with them. When you do that, the flock is safe because they have a shepherd who cares. And this is Jesus' point in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. If I see a lion, a wolf, a, a leopard coming after the sheep, I fight it with my life. But the hireling, that's John 10 verse 12, the hireling sees the wolf coming and runs away because he's only searching for money. <laughs> so, the flock needs to be protected from wolves. And it is when there are strong pastors, people who are bold, who know correct doctrine, who are living clean lives, people who are using the spirit of God, it is only they who are able to confront the wolves in sheep clothing and defend the flock of Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important. Thank you. Thank you so much, Apostle. Earlier on, you spoke about the fact that the sheep is so vulnerable. In our world today, we realize that because of this vulnerability, some shepherds, in their quest to protect the sheep, could be lording over the sheep and restricting them from benefiting from green pastures (laughs) elsewhere. How do we distinguish between protecting the sheep from 
lording it over the sea? I find that a very important question. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 3, the apostle Peter advises shepherds not to lord it over the flock, but be examples to the flock. So, the difference between lording it over the flock and being an example to the flock is that you are trying to live the Christian life. Walk in the steps of Jesus and showcase that. And so you are not just a commanding general giving orders from behind. In the land where Jesus comes from, Israel, till today, shepherds go in front of their sheep. And sheep follow them. The shepherds have their own whistle, their own cry. And when the sheep hear that cry, they follow their shepherd. They don't go behind. That's what we do here. You see that if somebody is a shepherd, he goes behind to drive the sheep. We are living in very, very difficult times. I believe that, yes, the flock needs to be protected from wolves. But these three things must be put in place. If you don't want to be seen as lording it over the flock, you must be an example to the flock. But two, you must teach the flock so that they themselves will be able to recognize false prophets, wolves in sheep clothing, and goats. If you educate the flock enough, then you are not afraid when you release them to see green pastures, and eat from there. Why? Because they know the difference between good and evil and are able to reject the evil and choose the right. But that only happens if you have been able not only to be an example to the flock, but to teach, train, disciple, mentor, and coach the flock so that they get to a place of maturity. That's Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. He says, solid food belongs to the mature, who by practice have their senses so built that they distinguish between good and evil. Now, the third area is to allow the fivefold ministry 
to work in the church. Ephesians chapter 4 from 11 to 13 says that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, till we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, even the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but speaking the truth in love, we should grow up into the head. Now what happens is that in many churches, only the pastor's gift is working. If the pastor is an evangelist, he turns the church into an evangelistic church. So the day your church members hear a prophecy, they go after it. Because you are an evangelist, you are not feeding that part of them. In the same way, if your pastor is prophetic, every day you go to church, I see this and there's prophecy. But because he is not a teacher, when the church members hear teaching, then they stray there because they see that you, you don't teach them. And it's the same. If you have a, a minister who is also just uh, a teacher, but it's not pastoral. When they meet somebody who is very pastoral and gives them shepherding care, they prefer to go and, and eat grass from that place. So the best is in each local church, we must groom the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to bring in their contribution. When they do that, they equip the saints and grow them. So the day they hear a prophecy, they are not, you know, it's like somebody who is satisfied. When you give the person fufu and 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 uh, grass cutter soup. He's not interested because his his belly is full. Our churches are one way, and when you do that, you see your church members always wanting to feed outside. So for me, those are the three things we need to do. Yes, thank you. Thank you once again, Apostle. About making sure that you feed your flock so that they will be balanced in their growth. How would you approach a shepherd who has fed a flock or who has fed, who has fed a sheep so much, discipled over, over the time, so many years? And then probably this shepherd is expecting this um, sheep to help carry his burden as part of his flock. And then you realize that um, he is wooed by another shepherd. How would you address this? Because um, I think it is happening in our days now. 
in First Corinthians chapter one, from verse ten, Paul addresses the issue of division in the church because somebody says I'm for Apollos, somebody says I'm for Paul, somebody says I'm for Peter. And when that happens, we must know we have missed the point. The church does not belong to Peter, Apollos, or Paul. The church belongs to Jesus who bought it with his blood. So, every pastor must Point his church members to Jesus. If you do it effectively, then Jesus says in John 12, 32, and I, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If you point your people well to Jesus, When they see Jesus in somebody, they are attracted because they are members of the body of Christ. But it doesn't mean they leave you. I think we all need as ministers of God to pray about it. It pains me if I work on a, a church member or a soul and the person backslides from Christ. But if I work on the person and I see that person has gone to the U.S. and is worshipping with another church, I know the person has not, if it's a good Bible-believing church, I have not lost my reward. Because if the person gets to heaven safely, I am also paid for the foundation I laid in the life of that person. So this is this is where the challenge comes. If you are a pastor, you work on people, you disciple them, you train them, you build Christ-likeness into them. And they stay on the road until they die. If they leave your church because they are studying somewhere, because they have to travel, because and they are in another equally good Bible-believing church and are able to make it to heaven, You have also won. You have not lost. A third scenario is when you didn't work on the person. You didn't disciple the person. And the person goes to meet somebody else and finds out that Oh, son, I'm not even born again. All this time, 
I didn't receive the Holy Spirit. What? I was with that pastor for 10 years. He never taught me how to have a daily quiet time. When it's like that, and the person finds greener pastures outside your fold, then you need to be careful. Because it means the quality of the work you are doing, there's no excellence in it. Those are the three scenarios. If you work on the person well, the person is going to heaven. You are okay. You will be paid for that. If you didn't work on the person well, and the person finds another person or another church, and is being built and fed better than you did, then you, instead of just cursing the person and, and trying to show that the person is ungrateful, you have to re-examine the kind of work you are doing on the schools. If you work on a person and the person backslides, then you have lost. That's it. You have lost until he comes back. Thank you so much. And what are the factors that cause the sheep to stray away, thereby falling prey to wolves? Okay. For me, number one is they are not well fed. If the sheep are not well fed, they are hungry. And they want to break fence and go and search for greener pastures. So Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, The shepherds were with their flocks by night. It means the shepherd goes and Psalm 23. The shepherds lead the flock to green pastures. And still waters. When they are fed and drunk and they are satisfied, they relax. If they are not well fed, they want to break fence. Two, Christ-like and exemplary living. If you live a life that is Christ-like, and it's exemplary, it reinforces what you are saying and gives a trust level to your integrity with the church members. There are poor men whose wives are still with them. They don't say, because I've met a man who is richer than my husband, so I've left. The way you handle your wife. Even if you are poor, she will stay with you. So, we need to live lives of integrity and exemplary living such that when you speak, your words carry force. Your words carry authority. And the people who are your flock, they hear your voice because you are not forcing them to follow you. 
they themselves know that you are genuine and they follow. But if you mesmerize them, deceive them, for some of the time they will follow. But after that, when their eyes are opened by another person, uh, they leave you never to come back. That's the truth. And of course, I've already mentioned that let all the fivefold ministries work in the church. Then your children will not be looking for these ministries outside. If the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are working within the church, they provide sufficient platform to help the church member grow in a balanced way and not be dissatisfied. Thank you. Shall we classify the hired men as wolves in sheep clothing as well? Or are they goats? The hireling is somebody who is feeding the flock because of money. He is being paid, but he is hired. So when he sees his life threatened, he sees danger, he runs away. So I want to put him in a different category from the wolf in sheep clothing. Because the wolf is a wolf. He wants to eat the flock. But the hireling is shepherding the flock just that he's shepherding for money. So when he sees danger coming, he leaves. And there are some shepherds like that. They have their own selfish agenda for which they are doing the work. And when they see danger, they just leave and throw everything away. This is why Jesus said in the John 21, from verse 15 to 17, Do you love me? Feed my flock. Do you love me? Because pastoral ministry is built, first of all, upon Passion, love for Jesus. If you don't have love for Jesus, you can't handle the flock. At least not to his satisfaction. So that gives us the fourth category. We have wolf in sheep clothing. We have the hireling. We have the sheep. We have the goats. In view of all these truths and revelations that we are receiving... What practical steps need to be taken by shepherds to protect the sheep from wolves? Okay. Number one is the prayer for discernment. I think every shepherd has to be praying daily that God should give us discernment. Because There are some people who are goats. There are some people who are wolves in sheep clothing. And there are some people too who are hirelings. We need to be able to know the difference. We see flies. We see mosquitoes. We want to kill the mosquito because it's dangerous. But flies, we normally don't waste our time killing all the flies in the world but we want to spray mosquitoes, we want to kill them, we want to hunt them out. It's the same with snakes. 
the same with scorpions. So, if you do not detect the wolf in sheep's clothing, they will scatter your church, they will teach wrong doctrine and pull some people away, and by the end of the day, you notice that they have destroyed the flock for you. They will even be fighting you from among the flock. Sometimes it is their pastor who is the wolf. And then Lord have mercy on us. So we need to pray. Jesus himself warned us in Matthew 24. Verses 4 and 5, verse 11, verse 24. He said there will be false Christ, false prophets, and they will do great miracles, if possible, to deceive even the elect. That we should be watchful, we should be vigilant. So please, the first step is to pray. Pray and When you do that, you will see that you can see the differences. Then number two practical step is, as far as my counsel is concerned, to model Christ-likeness and live an exemplary life. Is the same for parenting. Is the same for shepherding. If you are living a Christ-like life, the sheep are able to differentiate between you and a wolf in sheep's clothing. Because they can see the difference in character. But if you are also crooked, and the uh, wolf is also crooked, then the sheep don't even know the difference. The third practical step is to feed the flock well, in a balanced way. Make arrangements to get all the five-fold ministry raised up in the church. If you do it, you see that at the beginning it looks messy. But as the days go on, you can build a very balanced and strong ministry. And if with that, any of your flock goes astray, uh, you don't blame yourself much. Practical steps, prayer, exemplary living, balanced teaching, vigilance, vigilance. You need to be watchful because people enter churches just with the intention of destroying the church. And some are using different spirits. Some have doctrines they want to come and promulgate. Some have character issues and they are not prepared to change and all. If you are not vigilant, before you hear about it, a lot has gone wrong. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Apostle. How do you handle your pastor 
who is a wolf. Luckily, it's not a one-man church. Well, if you notice or you discern that your pastor is a wolf, you need to begin to take action. Because if a wolf finds out that you know that he is a wolf and you are a sheep, he will like to eat you first. So, if it is a one-man church, I will advise you to seek refuge. If it is not a one-man church, then the best thing to do is to get people in authority to confront the issue. Let's say there is a pastor who is sleeping with the girls in the church. And he's doing it without shame. So what do you do? You need to get an authority who can confront him. If you are able to get some of the ladies he has slept with, then your case is even stronger. And after the first and second confrontation, you can make the case bigger until action is taken against him. I refuse to agree with those who say that because a person is a man of God, if he is caught in adultery, he should be covered. It's wrong. It's the same with the other areas too. And we need to be aware that it's a fight. So when you want to expose a wolf in sheep's clothing, you must get ready for the battle. Because they will not come out easily. They want to wound you. They want to spoil the church. They want to destroy as much as they can before they leave. So because of that, you might need to prepare before you launch into the attack. But at the end of the day, it is healthier to challenge such people than to allow them to be destroying more lives. Amen. Amen. From biblical point of view, a shepherd is expected to take care of the sheep, including providing for their needs in times of hardship, sickness, bereavement, and all of that. And in certain times, the shepherd is not able to provide that because of insufficient funds. And sometimes these church members or the sheep get disappointed and leave the church to follow their, to follow other church because their expectations have not been met. They usually compare with other churches. What's your take on this? Your conscience in the presence of God. Your conscience in the presence of God. Personally, as a pastor, I do my best. When there are poor people in the church and I need to help, I try to do my best. If they are not satisfied with my best and my best is not good enough for them and they want to leave, well, 
I, I bring the case before God. I remember a case of a gentleman. I went to his house, preached to him, and then he accepted Christ. He and the wife and children, we baptized them and all. And we did everything. Those days I was even a student. We did everything to help them and all. But after some years, he complained that uh, he was not receiving help. There were other churches help, and uh, we are not helping him. And he left. And I told the, the Lord that this is the situation. You see? And one day, when he said it again, I confronted him. I told him that I was a student when I was coming to win your soul. Do you remember ever giving me even food in your house? All the time I was coming to preach to you. Did you ever even give me food on one occasion? And yet, there are some people like that. They are never satisfied. Even if you slaughter yourself for them, it doesn't satisfy them. But you are not to come to the church just because you want to take away from the church. That shouldn't be your your idea. You must also contribute something. Your strength, your time, your talents. There are other things you can do. And people in the church recognize that, look, this guy is very committed. And they also help you. Well, each pastor and the way you feed your flock and care for the flock. And I will argue that your conscience is your best judge. If you know you have done your best concerning the church member and he leaves because he has found out a church which gives more money or then that's it. Hmm. Apostle, please, are there any rewards for shepherds for protecting the sheep? And are there any punishment for shepherds who fail to protect the sheep from wolves? Definitely. Probably the most terrible chapter against ineffective shepherds in the whole Bible will be Jeremiah chapter 23 where God himself fights against shepherds who feed themselves rather than the flock. In Jeremiah 3.15, he says, I'll give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So, if you are a faithful shepherd, you keep the flock, protect it, and lead it well. First Peter chapter 5 verse 4 says, When the chief shepherd comes, he will give you a crown of glory that does not fade forever. There is definitely a reward for good shepherding. But there is also a punishment for weak, ineffective shepherding because 
he bought the flock with his blood. That's Acts 20, 28. So if you are not alert and wolves enter, scatter the flock, then you lose on account of that. I think the Lord himself will determine how much he should deal with you. Thank you so much, Apostle. Within some few seconds, could you give us your final counsel? Well, I want to talk to all the shepherds and pastors out there. Even in Bible times, shepherding was one of the most difficult and challenging jobs that anybody undertook. Because you have to stay with the flock at night and in the daytime, you have to lead the flock to green pastures, still waters, you have to protect them from lions and wolves and all. In addition to making sure that they are well taken care of. So, if you take upon yourself the job of being a shepherd, in this 21st century, it will be important to really seek God's face to find out whether he called you. If you have not been called to shepherd, that job is not for you. Because the sheep and the goats and the wolves in sheep clothing and the hirelings they will give you enough trouble to wish you had never decided to be a shepherd. In addition to that, you need a supreme love for Jesus himself. One of the things I will tell every shepherd and pastor is this. Personally, I consider pastoring and shepherding a small way to try to pay back to Jesus. Even though I know I can never pay for what he did for me on the cross, I want to show my gratitude. I want to show my appreciation. I am involved in souls, soul winning, disciple making, church planting, attacking the Great Commission just because I want to register in heaven that the love which Jesus has loved me. If I got the resources, I want to pay back to show my gratitude. I'm not doing it to be saved. I know that I'm saved by grace. But I'm doing it because I personally wish when I get to heaven that I would have shown enough labor in God's house 
for Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or at least, that is the greatest motive personally I have for being a shepherd. And I want to throw it out to you over there. Well, the years are becoming tougher. Shepherding and pastoring in this 21st century is no joke. But if there is a fire, a love for Jesus burning in your heart, wolf in sheep's clothing or no wolf, you will take care of the flock. God bless you in Jesus' name. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus shed on the cross to buy human beings and redeem us for your Father in heaven. Lord, have you not said that you will give your flock shepherds after your own heart who will feed the flock with knowledge, with understanding, with wisdom. Therefore, Father, I pray for every shepherd, everybody with a pastoral calling, hearing my voice. Amen. Strengthen our hands. Encourage us. Build us up so that we can build the flock. Comfort us to comfort them. Teach us to teach them. Guide us to guide them. Encourage us so that we can encourage them. Let your leadership by the Holy Spirit be clear. Pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night so that we can confidently lead the flock. Help us, Lord, to present to you a church which is without spot or blemish, holy and blameless, so that your great sacrifice on the cross will not be in vain. I thank you for each life. I pray for the covering of this same blood of Jesus upon their lives and your protection from the evil one so that they can do their work until we appear before you on that day. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Men's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensministries.org. God bless you.